Hey everybody, it's Sam Jacobs. Happy New Year. I think you'll be listening to this in the year 2021. I am recording it in the year 2020. So when you hear this, please go back in time using an Einstein Rosen wormhole and tell me what it's like in the future. I'm just kidding. Referencing uh, that show Dark on Netflix, which I was briefly obsessed with. Anyway, you're listening to the Sales Hacker Podcast. We've got a great show for you today. We've got Katan Nitrai, who is the head of global sales development for a really fast-growing company in Europe called Miro. And she talks all about how do you get in touch with people? How do you generate meetings? And we actually do a we, we talk through the, the best mechanisms for multi, multi-channel multi communication and what are all the different ways that people can reach out to other people, particularly in Europe, where, uh, where GDPR is such a, an important presence in terms of how you engage with people that haven't heard with you bef- uh, about you before. So um, it's a great conversation. Now, before we get there, we've got two sponsors that we want to tell you about. The first is Revenue Grid. What's your sales organization's biggest challenge right now? Remote work? Buyers tightening budgets, guided selling with Revenue Grid allows you to guide reps step by step through every deal, reducing guesswork and increasing consistency so your teams have the best odds with every opportunity in the pipeline. See how you can put your sales teams in the best position to win now at revenuegrid.com forward slash sales hacker. Of course, our second sponsor is a wonderful company called Outreach. The Sales Hacker podcast is powered by Outreach, the sales engagement platform for the modern sales work. I'm not really here to sell anything, but I am here to share good ideas in the hopes that you buy them. Is that selling something? Who knows? Maybe it's selling something, but I'm not selling anything. Anyway, I'm here to share good ideas. One of the best ideas I've ever had is outreach. I'm just the messenger. Chris Pierce, the VP of sales at Tableau, says they run their entire business from outreach. Tableau is a very big company. Nicolette Mullinex, Snowflake's enterprise sales director, says outreach is the pillar behind how they've been able to scale. Want to see what the number one sales engagement platform can do for your business? Head to outreach.io forward slash sales hacker. You'll get an inside view to how outreach brings efficiency, visibility, and versatility to modern sales teams. For a four-minute sneak peek or to request a demo, that's outreach.io forward slash sales hacker. Now for some other great sales ideas. In my conversation with Kata Nitrai, take a listen. Hey, everybody. It's Sam Jacobs. Welcome to the Sales Hacker Podcast. Today, we are excited to have on the show Kata Nitrai. Kata is the global director of business development for a company called Miro and uh, a really passionate leader when it comes to the sales development space and also an international internationally recognized uh, sales expert, given her background. She's actually talking to us from France today. So Kata, welcome to the show. Hi, Sam. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Thank you for being here. That's my job to say. <laughs> so we're excited. To, we're excited to have you. You're the global director of business development for a company called Miro. So the first thing that we want to do is 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 contextualize your expertise by giving you an opportunity to tell us a little bit more about Miro. So tell what is Miro? What does Miro do? Yeah. So basically, um, we provide a, a um, kind of like a global platform and uh, visual content for. Companies like, uh, for instance, Uber Eats or Airbnb. So essentially, um, what we managed to do is that uh, over this uh, quite short period of time, uh, we managed to uh, create a huge network of photographers all around the world. And uh, we also have an AI technology. And uh, and thanks to that, uh, we basically taking care of all the visual content of our of our partners. 
That's cool. So you have photograph photographers all over the world and and they're taking pictures and that gives you a, a sort of a unique library. This is maybe instead of accessing like a traditional stock uh, stock photo library, is that would that be accurate? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, so definitely, you know, like uh, there are a couple of uh, companies that, you know, uh, they would just uh, access uh, traditional libraries, but uh, but also uh, some of our competitors, um, you know, can be also just freelancers or uh, actual uh, like uh, photo agencies. So the idea is that we're not just uh, taking the photos, but we're literally uh, streamlining everything and uh, taking uh, care of the, the actual streamline. Cool. Awesome. Okay. Tell us a little bit more about the company. How old is it? How big is it? How many people? Uh, where is it based? Give us some, a little bit more information. Yeah. So basically now it's um, uh, it's pretty young compared to the, the growth that we had. And, uh, and actually uh, we started around uh, 2016. And um, now with the most recent fu- uh, fundraising, which was in uh, June 2019, uh, 230 million, altogether we raised uh, 300 million, which wow. is... Uh, which is quite huge, especially in European standards, because I know that obviously in the US it's uh, it can be quite usual, but uh, but in Europe it's uh, it's definitely one of the the biggest fundraising that uh, that happened. Wow! And uh, and how many people work uh, at the company? So we scaled pretty fast, actually, from zero to like during these uh, four years, uh, we uh, managed to grow to uh, seven hundred people all around the world. So we have uh, offices uh, not just in Paris and Barcelona, uh, but we pretty much covering US as well and uh, APAC. So we managed to scale uh, quite uh, impressively. Wow, that isn't that is impressive. Okay. Well, that's congratulations on 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 the success and the growth. Let's learn a little bit about you. So tell us about your background and how did you become the head of sales development for for one of the fastest growing companies in Europe. Tell us how did you get into sales? Where you're from originally? Give us a little bit of that. Yeah. So basically, I'm uh, I was born and raised in Hungary, and so so I think you could detect I think a little accent. <laughs> That's from <laughs> I could there. Hear something relative <laughs> to me. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely. So I, I was born and raised in Hungary, and uh, I studied in uh, I completed my studies in the Netherlands, and actually I um, I did my last internship in New York. And uh, oh, this wow. is where I fell in love with sales, <laughs> which is a funny story because the reality is that I really wanted to go to New York. So even though I was more interested in finance, uh, I took a digital marketing internship. And um, basically, uh, on the second week, uh, they asked me to cold call a list of companies. So if someone told me back then that I'm going to end up in sales, uh, I think I would have literally <laughs> laughed my ass off um, because uh, that was definitely not my thing. And um once I had to start calling, honestly, I uh, I just really enjoyed it. So essentially, I uh, spent the, in- the whole internship um, as um, a kind of an account executive, but it was uh, more like inbound and outbound role as well. And, uh, and essentially, I realized that I really want to, to get into sales. So, so when I went back to Netherlands, I started as a commodity broker. Yeah, it's, it's a bit different from uh, the startup ecosystem. <laughs> and um, basically, I was focusing on biofuel. Uh, it was kind of an obvious choice because uh, it was sales with finance. So, so it, was, um, it, was definitely a, it was definitely a great uh, time. It was a very hectic environment, definitely different from the, um, my roles after where, where the sales cycles were way more complex and long. So you could definitely just close a deal in uh, five minutes, let's say. But essentially, this is uh, where um, I really managed to to work first, you know, with the C-level executives, 
learn how to to work with them, how to to repeatedly and continuously do business with them, and uh, and kind of like be their best friends. So this is something that definitely helped me after. And to be fair, um, I really enjoyed it, but. Um, then I fell in love again, but this time with my boyfriend and uh, he's French. So I kind of just uh, followed him uh, in France. So this is why I started working at Aircall, which is a SaaS. Oh, I didn't realize you worked at Aircall. Oh, yeah. okay. Awesome. It's, yeah. It's just, so, um, it, so, you know, Aircall, uh, it's a SaaS solution, cloud-based one system. So again, different from brokerage. And I started as an account executive there, focusing on full cycle, focusing on the bigger deals, and actually, after one year, I became um, an SDR team lead and then a sales manager. So, so I managed to uh, develop the entire sales team of um, Aircall. And this is why I also, um, we kind of designed uh, the sales academy, which is like a quite intense uh, training program. And that was partly the reason why uh, I think uh, they also uh, recruited me in a, a Miro, because um, back then when I joined, uh, the structure was really not there because they, they kind of scaled very fast. So essentially, uh, you know, like the structures and the techniques that, uh, that we had uh, with uh, one or two sales uh, were kind of stayed <laughs> with, uh, with a larger right. hundred uh, sales reps uh, included team. So, so in the end, uh, that was uh, my mission to, to bring some structure and, uh, and uh, train the people. That's an incredible journey. When you, um, I mean, you've worked in the United States, you've worked in Europe, now you're in France. What do you think the biggest differences are between trying to grow a company in the US and trying to grow a company in Europe? That's a good question. I think when it comes to Europe, obviously you have like a lot of different cultures here, right? And um, in the end, what I learned from uh, both Miro and the and the Arco as well, that even though there are a lot of those sovereign countries uh, in Europe, but in the end, um, the cultural differences are not so high. So actually, uh, I think uh, you can uh, scale quite fast uh, in, uh, in Europe uh, with the right people, uh, if you have local people. When it comes to, I think, like how I would like to answer this question is that uh, the diff- difficulties that I see once um, a European company like to enter uh, to the US markets. So b- with both of uh, the companies that I worked uh, with, Arco and Miro, um, it definitely takes time. And I think it takes... Uh, more time than we would initially think, because here even more time if, to enter the U.S. market. Is that your? That's, that's your, what you're saying? That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. Because the reality is, because the reality is that you know, like I think a lot of people would think that uh, okay, well, we we understand the language, right? Uh, so we speak English. Uh, but essentially, um, when it comes to um, to uh, to sell in the U.S. market and to really uh, enter in a very fierce competition, most of the cases, that's very difficult. So in both of my companies, what I saw is that uh, that the U.S. market is was always one of the, let's say, um, toughest parts. <laughs> oh, interesting. That's interesting, and yet it's also a very big market. What you've exactly. you've um, you know you've worked at again Aircall and now Miro. You talked about how how quickly they've grown. What do you think the biggest lessons you've learned from your time at startups is? Yeah. Um, Pretty much both of them were in a, they were kind of like hyper growth environments. And, uh, and honestly, like in these in- environments, uh, what you see is that the structure and the strategy of, uh, of the companies uh, can change uh, extremely fast, which is normal because this is what it is, right? And uh, in the end, uh, and uh, people will, the founders will always look at the, the company's uh, goal at first. So in this kind of environments, you know, like uh, the person's interests, can sometimes not be aligned with the company's interests. 
And uh, I saw it uh, a lot, actually, uh, within my team, with a lot of people in other startups as well. And I think uh, it's really important that uh, even though it's a family, and yeah, definitely you can have a, an extraordinary um, uh, lifetime experience that's unique and you're going to cherish for the rest of your life, but still you should not just be afraid to, to move and to change because to move jobs or to just or or your point is that the companies themselves are evolving so rapidly that sometimes people just need to be in a in that change mindset because if they want to do the same thing you know their job might change from day to day i think both so so definitely uh, obviously like if you work in a startup you 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 have to have this default uh, change mindset because essentially uh, indeed uh, your job can 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 change from day to day but what I see is that, you know, sometimes people, uh, they're sticking within startups because because of this uh, family spirit and uh, essentially they're not happy anymore because, uh, because maybe just the company's direction is not aligned anymore with their personal needs. And uh, in that moment, I think uh, it's, uh, it's good to change and we should not be afraid of uh, change. So, so we should always cherish these moments and, uh, and this uh, uh, tenure there, but... Uh, in the end, uh, uh, it is a job. <laughs> well, that's true. Let's talk a little bit about your role. So you're you're the the head of sales development. You're somebody that's responsible for you know generating meetings, generating pipeline. How has the role of sales development changed over the last couple of years? What do you think the newest best practices are when it comes to getting people's attention and getting them to agree to a meeting with your solution? Yeah. So. That's a very good question. Uh, honestly, I think uh, over the, the past couple of years, uh, I think sales development um, gained a huge presence. So even though I think uh, a lot of people uh, look down on uh, an SDR or BDR job because this is the, the starting point of a sales career, so to say, I think there are more and more people now that actually appreciate it. And uh, they also understand that, you know, like uh, that can be, you know, one of the, the most difficult part of the, the sales cycle. But definitely, it's, it's still getting, uh, I think, uh, uh, quite huge uh, presence, and uh, and uh, and actually, it's a very competitive job, and there are way more um, different approaches, and uh, and essentially, like you always have to stay creative. And um, for instance, like if you're looking at the, um, let's say, like this '90s, you know, when everybody was called calling, and uh, in the end, uh, called calling uh, became the the huge issue, uh, especially in the US, uh, I believe, <laughs> and everybody kind of moved towards emails. And then uh, now, for instance, in the MEA, uh, we have a GDPR. I don't know if you know what is GDPR, but so we have like- Of course I know what GDPR is. Exactly. So, so now um, we kind of moving a little bit to social, so to LinkedIn. And ah, because you're not allowed to email people directly. So you have to find other ways to engage with them. That's correct. And also, I think uh, the COVID, um, COVID had a huge role in it because uh, people, um, they were way more active on LinkedIn. So, so essentially, the, the, the response rates were way higher there. But what I'm just saying is that, you know, like, um, there are always trends. And essentially, you know, like, uh, when people are fed up with the calls, then they're going to move to email. When they're fed up with emails, then they're going to move to calls and so on. But I think um, what is the most important and uh, where really the, the power of outreach relies lies is um, is multiple channels. So I think um, we have to be resilient and uh, we have to be everywhere, like literally everywhere. They have to see us everywhere on all the channels. And uh, and yes, um, one of the 
most the, the biggest key element is uh, is hyper personalization. So give us some examples. So when you say everywhere, do you mean give us all of the things that when you say everywhere, some people might not assume means everywhere, but you do mean everywhere. Like when you're talking about multi-channel, give us a, a day in the life of a SDR at Miro and how many different places are they trying to connect with people? Yeah, so definitely, again, um, when it comes to the, the channels, uh, so call, email, and uh, social, so LinkedIn. And uh, when it comes to the media, so we can definitely go through text, voice and uh, video. And for instance, when it comes to text, um, it really depends because obviously uh, most of the people think of email uh, and emails in general, but um, but uh, there's always, um, of course, uh, LinkedIn messages, WhatsApp messages. <laughs> the mm. reality is that um, even though like, I'm always struggling with WhatsApp messages because obviously they are not integrated with Salesforce, so it's 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 impossible to track them, right? So if yeah. uh, if you ask my sales reps, uh, yeah, I definitely had uh, this conversation with them several times that, uh, that can't you do it just, you know, via uh, email or LinkedIn. But in the end, uh, there are some locations that they way more reactive to WhatsApp messages, for instance, APAC, uh, Latin America. And then uh, you have text messages, you know, uh, also, for instance, if you have like a more like an ongoing relationship, uh, relationship with uh, some um, enterprise accounts, for instance, they way more reactive on text messages. And then when it comes to uh, voice, uh, obviously calling, but then voice messages, LinkedIn voice messages. Oh, LinkedIn voice messages are great. Uh, have you, like, I think in the US it's uh, way more common. Are you receiving a lot? Like on a, on a I'm not receiving a lot, but when I do receive them, I I uh, I always listen to them, and they're always and it's just a level of uh, personalization because you actually hear the person's voice, and I don't really listen to voicemails because now on my iPhone I get a transcription of the voicemail without having to listen to the voicemail, so a lot of times I'm not even listening to it. Oh, that's cool. But though. I do listen to the to the LinkedIn voicemails, yeah. And that's the, re- the reality, and this is what I'm always asking for my uh, my reps as well. That uh, okay, so have you ever received? A LinkedIn voice message. <laughs> and uh, most of the people, especially in Europe, in Latin and APAC, honestly, it's, uh, it's really not common. Uh, I think the feature came out uh, quite a while ago, but it's still not common. And yeah, the answer is always no. So I'm like, okay, so you have your answer. This is literally the way to stand out because if you received one, you would listen to it. Um, <laughs> right? That's true. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. My last bullet point was on, on my mind is, uh, is the videos. So so I, I, I'm a huge fan of videos. I think it's, uh, it's extremely... Um, we have a we see like a extremely high conversion rate on that, and um, and yeah, like uh, you can definitely bring directly your personalized approach. Uh, you have different platforms where you can just uh, share your screen at the same time, so so you can bring your value proposition directly. So it can it can really be on point. That's awesome. That's fantastic. When you as you've moved up up uh, you know up the ladder uh, in terms of your career, but specifically when you think about managing SDRs, what do you think are the key things that new managers to sales development teams need to keep in mind? And what's the best way that you found to really motivate and engage a group of, you know, sometimes entry-level sales professionals to really be focused on, on the goal that the company's trying to hit? I think for that, a very intense training program, and uh, in that case, for instance, onboarding program um, is crucial. And this is something that we first started, uh, I first started in, uh, at Aircall. Like the, the power of these onboarding programs and uh, the way, first of all, that you can uh, th- then uh, ramp them up, it's just, 
it's just really day and night without any structured training program. And, um, and this can also uh, give them um, the feeling, and not just the feeling, but that, that's the reality that, uh, that you're investing in them, that you're really spending time with them and uh, you want them to grow and, and you enable them to grow because actually you, you give them uh, the access uh, to materials, uh, to dedicated trainings. And, uh, and honestly, I think uh, this, uh, this will naturally motivate them as well because... Um, because yeah, they feel feel um, again uh, invested in, and uh, even though <laughs> this training should be strict, <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, but in the end, uh, you also celebrate it. Uh, you you can have exams, for instance, you know oral exams, written exams, and that can uh, like once you pass it, you celebrate it together. That's a little milestone, and and celebrating these little milestones, you know, like uh, first week, first month, you know, in a startup life, I think it's um, it's really crucial. So how long do you think somebody should be an SDR? Like what, what kind of career pathing do you provide or what kind of structure do you provide for moving up the ranks to the point of milestones? Yeah, I think it, um, it really depends on the product that you're selling and the industry itself. Uh, for instance, um, in our call, um, we, we definitely had this division between uh, SDRs and account executives and technically, um, the progression was also based on uh, your achievements during the training program and also, you know, um, like how you're hitting your monthly goals. So essentially you could become a senior BDR, senior SDR, sorry. You know, now I'm a kind of, you know, since the, in Miro we're calling them BDRs. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm always no mixing, con- we uh, can call them whatever we want to call exactly. them. So I, I, I understand what you're saying. So, so if you, for instance, um, um, went through the training, uh, you did well uh, during the training and, uh, in four, four months in a row, uh, you hit your target, uh, you could become senior BDR uh, directly. And uh, wow. then after, um, well, depending on, uh, again, you know, the closing and the, and the KPIs given, you could uh, be eligible to become a uh, account executive uh, from uh, eight months on. Wow. Uh, but it also depends on, uh, obviously, the, uh, like the actual need. Because, you know, um, you know, like how they want to scale and, uh, and uh, whether there is open space. The reality is that um, in Miro now, we, we transformed our sales structure. So, so before we had this uh, division as well. And since we scaled very fast, actually, uh, the opportunity could be there very quickly. Uh, and, uh, and it happened uh, to a couple of, um, couple of people that, uh, that after four or five months, uh, they, they could really uh, end up in a key account manager position. But now we, um, we actually, again, uh, restructured uh, uh, the sales team and uh, essentially uh, we trained everyone and, uh, and made everyone a full cycle uh, key account manager. Because the reality is that uh, we're going after enterprise accounts. So for Miro, the minimum uh, contract value is 100K. And actually, the, we managed to close contracts uh, in intra-quarter. So the sales cycle is um, pretty pretty short compared to the amount. And essentially, that's the truth that it, it's better to just do full cycle because then you can really nurture this relationship. It's better not to to, to divide it. So I think, again, it, it really depends on the, um, first of all, whether if it's SME, mid-market, enterprise, and, uh, and the sales cycle itself. I do, f- I honestly do look at the SDR and an account executive job as an equal job. So I think it's hmm. equally difficult. It just... Um, related to different parts of the sales cycle, but I don't think that, um, that I don't look at SDR jobs or BDR jobs as an entry-level job. I think it's definitely one of the, the toughest part of the sales cycle. And uh, essentially, if someone is a good SDR or BDR, with 
gaining product knowledge, they can definitely be a good account executive after because they're pushy. They're definitely uh, resilient. And I saw, uh, on the other hand, uh, that a couple of account executives, yeah, they could never be BDRs because they could mm. never call call. And, uh, and yeah, they, they, yeah, they could never uh, go through the prospection boards. <laughs> Do you think that uh, BDRs and account executives should be paid the same? Again, it's the same topic, right? Uh, because uh, because in most of the con- uh, most of the companies and uh, in the most most of the countries as well, uh, it's uh, more like an entry level position. So obviously, when when someone uh, gets in as an entry level uh, position, then uh, then you're going to pay them less, right? But if the structure allows that uh, that you can have uh, uh, people specialize in different parts of the sales cycle, then yes, because the job is uh, definitely as hard as being uh, an A. Awesome, cool. Just a couple more questions. One of them is, you know, I'm sure you use a sales engagement platform at, um, and the BDR team, the sales development team is often the team that is working with the most technology. So I guess the, the question is, how are you using, like, what are the most important parts of your technology stack? And also, do you ever, the second part of the question, this is a two-parter, is do, do you worry about, or how do you t- coach your team as everybody gets similar tools, a lot of the outreach to prospects become similar. So how do you continue to coach the team on being differentiated as more and more teams are using similar technology tools? Yeah. Um, so for me, like one of the, the most important um, tech stack, uh, especially when it comes to the prospection part, is definitely uh, sales aut- automation tools. So currently we're using Salesloft, but uh, I also use the outreach in the past. And uh, and to be fair, you know, like uh, both of them are amazing companies. The reality is that uh, it would be difficult for me <laughs> to imagine the life without them. Even though, you know, it's it's difficult first to to convince sales guys sometimes uh, to to use it because because they, they, you have this uh, two weeks of ramping up period, you know, and uh, and they're a bit like overwhelmed uh, with all the tech. But uh, essentially, once you get get into it, you just cannot imagine your life without it. So it's definitely a game changer. And uh, and honestly, like um, even though, of course, I'm all for hyper personalization, but uh, but definitely gives you the ability to scale. So that is uh, that is extremely important. And um, when you say like how it could like obviously like most of the companies now they also using these uh, sales automation tools, right? So, so exactly. not having them, yeah, definitely can, um, can be, um, well, <laughs> in the end, you know, uh, it can be a big, uh, a difference uh, compared to the competition when it comes to the structure of your outreach and, uh, the impact of it. So yeah, for me, this, uh, again, like sales automation tools is, uh, it's extremely important. I'm always the, the biggest advocate of it within the company <laughs> where I'm working. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, they're, they've become critical. And, and to your point, you know, the, the, the platforms, the sales engagement platforms are, are so important to how people are, are reaching out to folks these days. Last question we have for you is we have a part of the podcast where we, we want to know who are the – it can be books that you've read because I know that you're a big reader. It can be podcasts you've listened to. It can be founders or bosses that you've had that have had a really big impact on you. But when you think about people that have, or ideas or books that have shaped your perspective on sales in the world, what comes to mind? Who should we know about that you think is important? So I think I can consider myself very lucky during my uh, professional experiences because I had um, 
both Cole and both at uh, Miro, I had uh, amazing managers, amazing direct managers. So first at our call, basically I was directly managed uh, during the entire time there by Jonathan Angulev, uh, so the, the founder of um, Aircall, and uh, he is also the CEO of Aircall. And uh, honestly, he has definitely a huge role that, and I can, and I can, I can be definitely thankful for him um, to be where I am right now, because he always believed in me. And honestly, like uh, John is like this, that uh, he he lifts people up and uh, and uh, he believes in people. And sometimes you need this little kickstart in order to uh, prove uh, that uh, that you're worth it. So yeah, definitely John and um, and my current manager right now, who is also the CEO of uh, Miro, Faisal Budadi. So he is also my direct manager and uh, and he's uh, he's an amazing uh, person. <laughs> he's definitely my mentor and uh, and honestly, like he has this drive and energy that is something that inspires literally everyone around him. The moment <laughs> he steps into the room, everything changing. So yeah, I really consider myself uh, lucky uh, when it comes to that part. And yeah, uh, when it comes to books, uh, I think just like a lot of people in the sales uh, in the sales industry right now, um, a big fan of uh, Chris Voss. Um, mm-hmm. So I read Never Split the Difference, and I also obviously watched uh, his uh, masterclass, which is definitely a masterpiece. We even included it in our sales academy at Miro. So, so literally, I, I forced people to go through as a homework <laughs> the 10 minutes pieces. So yeah, that's, that's definitely... A great, great um, input. Awesome. Kata, it's been great having you on the show. We're going to talk to you again on Friday for Friday Fundamentals. But if folks want to reach out to you, what's the what's the best way? Maybe they want to learn more. Maybe they're in France and want to learn more about Miro. Uh, what, what's the preferred me- method for outreach? Or maybe they want to become a customer. I would say call me. <laughs> after t- after, are, you after pre- are you prepared to give everybody your phone number? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. So so I think you can always find me on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So it's Kata Nitrai. Uh, N-Y-I-T-R-A-I is how you spell the last name. You can find her on LinkedIn. Connect with her. Hopefully become a customer of Miro if you're willing to spend $100,000. Uh, Kata, <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks so much for being on the Sales Hacker Podcast. We'll talk to you on Friday. Thank you, Sam. Hey, everyone. It's Sam's Jacobs. Sam Jacobs, not Sam's Jacobs. It's Sam's Corner. That's what it really is. And it's also the Sales Hacker Podcast. And what we're going to be doing is recounting some of the big themes from my conversation with Kata. I thought it was a great conversation. A couple things that I just want to emphasize. The first is her emphasis on training and onboarding for your sales development team and how onboarding is such a critical part of how you set the first impression with your company, how you get them ready, how you train them, and how you make sure that they have a long lasting trajectory with your business. Second thing I'd point out is just her emphasis on multi-channel. She's in Europe. You can't just do email. And so she is reaching out to people on LinkedIn. She's using video. She's using text messaging. She's using WhatsApp, even though it doesn't integrate very well with Salesforce. And her sales development team are trying everything they possibly can to have a great conversation and to generate a meeting. And I think you really, it's not that email doesn't work or phone calls don't work. All of them work in conjunction with each other. You really need to be trying all of the different venues and and methods of communication and different communication channels in order for you to be able to connect successfully with your prospects. So I thought that was a really important part of, of the conversation and I hope you got something from it. 
Now, if you're not a part of the sales hacker community yet, you are really missing out. Now any sales pro can join as a member to ask questions, get immediate answers, and share experiences with like-minded B2B sales pros. So jump in and start a discussion with the more than 10,000 sales professionals that are currently part of that community at saleshacker.com. Of course, we also want to thank our two sponsors, Revenue Grid. Guided Selling with Revenue Grid allows you to guide reps step-by-step through every deal. Check them out at revenuegrid.com forward slash sales hacker. Of course, Outreach is our second sponsor, the number one sales engagement platform for the modern sales organization. Check them out at outreach.io forward slash sales hacker. So those are our sponsors. Once again, thank you for listening. By the way, can you please give us a five-star review on uh, the platform of your choice so that we can get this podcast out to as many people as possible. If you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash the word in forward slash Sam F. Jacobs. Thanks again for listening. Of course, I will talk to you next time.